Hi, I'm Nigel Campbell, editor of Jazz in the Islands magazine, with another episode of Island Jazz Chat, a podcast featuring conversations with Caribbean jazz and pan-jazz musicians based in the islands and the diaspora. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Island Jazz Chat. Today, I have the fortunate pleasure to speak to Michael Ming Lauchutong, the architect of Calypso Jazz in Trinidad and Tobago in the 21st century. That's my moniker for him, and I will stand by that. Eight CDs under his belt, and a career that's spanning close to two decades in the business and putting out a lot of product and original product at that. And I think this is important. We need to talk to him. Morning, Michael. Good morning, Nigel. Thanks for having me. Yes. So, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. All right. So, um, well, on this island, Jazz Chat, we, as I say, we talk to jazz artists, pioneer jazz artists, and that kind of stuff, and certainly Caribbean jazz artists. You've been around for quite some time. You've had a career and a commercial career, which is important for many years. Um, I guess let, let our listeners know now. How did it start for you, your music career, and then we talk about your jazz career? Okay. I, I've been a professional musician um, for about 34 years, actually. Oh, okay. Started my first professional gig was with the majors in the mid 80s. B sharp majors, if I remember clearly. <laughs> right, well, at the time it was just the majors. Um, There's a thing called B sharp, but not Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and then after that, you know, on with different bands, different groups mm-hmm. throughout the years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, started professionally as a keyboard player, but I started playing quattro guitar. Mm-hmm. And my first band experience mm-hmm. was as a bass player. A bass player, okay. Yes. You know, so in those early days, um, I always tell people I never learned any music in music class. I went to Queen's Royal College. Mm-hmm. And all the music I have ever learned was outside of music class. Outside of music class. I had great music teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, like who? Geraldine Connor was the music teacher. Mm-hmm. I learned how to dock clogs mm-hmm. in, her, in her class. Gillian Ballantulo. I know, yeah. Was mm-hmm. a music teacher. I didn't mm-hmm. learn anything in music, you know. <laughs> um, but in the break times and the lunch mm-hmm. times and after school, mm-hmm. when the guys would get together, maybe in the music room, mm-hmm. and you hear guys playing boom, putting, tipping, putting, tipping, putting, tipping, putting, tipping, heart and so. Mm-hmm. And guys improvising nothing, and you watch mm-hmm. a guy and he, oh, he played that, and then he say, okay, show me how to play that. And then mm-hmm. they play that boom, 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 and a man play, and then you show a next man. And, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you always learn. From your peers, just little bits, little things. And then we started, of course, a band in school, mm-hmm. right, under um, the scoutmaster Lawrence McDowell, the late Lawrence McDowell. Mm-hmm. And that, I started to play bass with them, mm-hmm. then guitar. And then, of course, keyboards, MIDI was now being big. Oh, yeah, was big. That? that was maybe like 84, 83, mm-hmm. maybe 82, maybe as early as 82, okay. 83. Because then we got DX7. Oh. Early DX7 released, I think, in 83, maybe. It was Yamaha, um, right? Yamaha DX7. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Roland JX um, mm-hmm. 8P that it came out around 84 as well. Mm-hmm. When uh, 85, I think, and Sonic Mirage came out, we got the first affordable sampler. We got those. So, so QRC, I know QRC, as you know, has a history of jazz with the jazz club started by mm-hmm. Schofield many years ago. Was there a jazz club when you were around? No, it wasn't a jazz club. But clearly it had an important but music it department. It had a music, a music program, mm-hmm. like I say, through the scouts. Okay. So it had the traditional band program, mm-hmm. who's playing uh, flute, who's playing trumpet, who's playing trombone. March music Match band yeah. and so. Mm-hmm. But then we also had a pop band mm-hmm. that would do 
reggae and calypso and so i was part of that program right. the first part of the part of that first program called magnum magnum was the name of the, magnum was the, name of the group right. you know we had a lot of great guys in those mm-hmm. times dimitrius fraser Yes, was Trumpet in that. Um, mm. Shaka Charles Trombone was in that. Mm. Neil Bernard. Guitar, no. Guitar player, yes. Well, he came in. When I went, Sorry, to, when yeah. I went to guitar, he mm-hmm. came in to play bass. All right. Mm-hmm. Right? Kerry Roebuck mm. was in that, you know. Mm. A lot of guys who are now, in, you know, in the top things of the police band mm-hmm. and, and fire band and, and regiments and, yeah. mm-hmm. and producers and so. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys came out of that, mm-hmm. of that program, you know. Elliot uh, Francois. Yes, drama for yeah. Canal. Yes. He was mm-hmm. in the like the second or the third mm-hmm. iteration of, of, of that group. Carl Doyle. Yes, came Carl. out of that same you <laughs> yeah. know, a lot of guys. Mm. You know. So that's where I kinda cut my teeth early playing in school, playing for Calypso competitions, that kind of thing. QRC is an important school, as I said. Um I'm aware that back in the sixties I'm thinking, Schoolfield Pilgrim founded at QRC Jazz Club. Yep. And but QRC as an institution, as a secondary school, obviously had an important music program that developed as we discovered a whole host of musicians who are still currently working and producing and commercially all over them with, with the policeman and that kind of stuff. So how did you make that transition? Of course, you left school at some point <laughs> at the time, right? So you already got your chops in school. And how did you make that professional move towards the majors then? It wasn't intentional. Mm. We were we because we were a schoolboy group. Mm-hmm. We also used to do, try to do little commercial engagements. Uh-huh. So not only school things, but we would go out and play. There was a, a place called The Office. I think it was on Abercrombie Street or St. Vincent Street, one of those. Mm-hmm. And we play in there night upstairs in the club. Yes. And then I come down and the late Denton Ford, who was mm-hmm. like the second in command of the scout troop, he says, mm-hmm. he said, Ming, afraid to tell you this or no. Mm-hmm. But... Some people here are playing and they're looking for a keyboard man and they yeah. think, but afraid if I tell you, hmm. you'll leave we and, you know, <laughs> whatever. Selfish motives. So he says to me, you're, you know, um, the majors is looking for a keyboard player mm-hmm. and they saw me and they're interested or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then I went for a little audition with them and started playing with them. All Met right. great guys there. Um, David I met Bull David Batiste, mm-hmm. Colin Grant, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, Buff, keyboard player, producer, mm-hmm. and Wayne Bruno was the guitar Wayne player Bruno at the time. The but right. Wayne was the guitarist from it forever, but mm-hmm. that's where I first met Wayne Bruno. You know? mm-hmm. Where was that? Um, that might have been 86, maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. Might have been 86. Mm-hmm. And um, as I understand it from, I'd, for those who know, for those who don't, I'd written a line of note for one of Ming's albums, and we had spoken about the histories of music, and... I know that you had moved on ultimately to Charlie's roots, but you also had some local influences. Who were your local influences in terms of that transition from pop music, let's say, to this fusion exercise that we call jazz? Well, it's been a long road, you know. Um, the first influence I've had musically has been my father. Okay. He played guitar. He was a medical doctor, but he always mm-hmm. played guitar. Yes. He always sang the classics from Frank Sinatra classics to Sparrow mm-hmm. and Kitchener classics. Yes. So I always heard you know music across the board mm-hmm. my first introduction if you will to or, or the gateway i like to say the gateway to jazz music yes. was stuff like um richard clederman instrumental music richard mm-hmm. clederman mm-hmm. demo kits demo kits we had yeah. demo kits records we had mm-hmm. richard clederman records mm-hmm. and i used to love the sound of the records mm-hmm. you know what really carried me further was 
early Jonathan Butler. All right. Right. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, he had um, a song. Baby, please don't take it. I need your love. Deep doo doo. Baby, please don't take it. Don't take it. I need your love. playing these kind of Benson-esque things. Mm-hmm. And then from Jonathan Butler, mm-hmm. I got into George Benson. Yes. And from George Benson, mm. I got into um, Al Jarreau. Okay. Uh-huh. And then from Al Jarreau, then you hear things like Spain and Blue Rondo a la Turk. Mm-hmm. And then you get into Chick Corea. Mm-hmm. And you get into um, mm-hmm. um, Dave Brubeck. Mm-hmm. You know? And it sort of cascades from there. All right. So influences upon influences upon influences. Right. Mm-hmm. But inside of that now, because that, that's, if you will, is... Maybe the foreign link of the influence. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I started to go to school with a guy called Curtis Michael Rees. Yes. His family's legend in Trinidad and Tobago. Fortune, yeah. Right. <laughs> and when you start to hang with them guys, mm. you start to hear a, a color that's familiar but mm-hmm. different. You mm-hmm. know, those were the guys that introduced me into the idea of playing yourself or being yourself mm-hmm. or playing it in your, in language, your language. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was big. The, mm-hmm. the, the Reese family was mm-hmm. very big in the influence. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I even took some lessons with the late um, Wilfred Woodley. Oh, you actually work with Woodley? I, I, yes, because he's, he's like, almost like he, an enigma. We trying to tra- well, not so much track him <laughs> down, but trying to track down stories. And of course, people are getting older. You know, but mm. Reese, they used to live in, uh, up on top Lavantil Hill, mm-hmm. and they had the piano downstairs and the band room. They, they, um, storage was downstairs for the instruments and the piano was below the house. All right. You know? And I went to take some lessons with Woods mm-hmm. and couldn't understand a thing. I just <laughs> wasn't ready, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about, mm. this might be about maybe 88. Mm-hmm. But what was important is that the germ mm-hmm. was, the, the, you know, they, 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 they put the idea mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you can do this thing um, from, your, from own your own perspective. Mm-hmm. You know? After that, um, you know they talk about desert island CDs. Yes, I one know. of the first CDs that I I heard and I was like, that sounds like us, but yet mm-hmm. was Andy Narell the Hammer. Yes, because of course the Hammer with mm-hmm. David Rudder mm-hmm. was big, and that kind of gets you into well, who's this Andy Narell? I was the same, but, but then you hear Brontosaurus <laughs> Ballet, and yeah. you hear all of these <laughs> things, and you hear Keith Jones on mm-hmm. the bass, mm-hmm. and you hear but. This is how the music can sound, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And from that, I was, you know, hooked. I was hooked. I was <laughs> I hooked. Really imagine, yeah. you know? And in the real, similarly, when I put that same album, I say, hey, look at David Rudder's song. And I said, well, who's this Andy Norell guy? And then I read somewhere that Andy Norell was the leading pan player in an American publication. I said, what? And then I started to track him down. I discovered that was like about a fourth or fifth album by the time. And I said, oh, my God, this fella's on a different plane. <laughs> we need to do some catching up and thing. So you had your... Um, you, you, you list, you're listening influences from Jonathan Butler and all the tangential influences that he had and then the local content with the Ruiz Woodley mm-hmm. and ultimately Andy Norell and thing. What gave you the confidence to say, I'm going to do it on my own? Because it's all well and good to hear and to play with majors and, well, I think you did play with Charlie's Roots if I, if I remember the chronology correctly. But 
we may we may, may we may be making a jump, but somewhere along the line, you said, "Okay, I think I can do this on my own." What was it? What was that journey? Well, I'll tell you. After after majors, mm-hmm. I went abroad and I did a course at the recording workshop in Ohio mm-hmm. for recording engineering and studio maintenance. Okay. Came back to Trinidad, started to work mm-hmm. at Star Sounds. As okay. an assistant engineer to Jerome Francic. Where was Star Sounds? Star Sounds was in Goodwood Park, owned by Mark Fojo. Mark Fojo, yes. Uh, right, mm-hmm. and Simon Galt. They mm-hmm. were the owners of the studio. Mm-hmm. And there, of course, I, got, I forgot to work with Joe Brown yeah. for the first time. Mm-hmm. I got to work with um, Black Stalin for the right. first time. Mm-hmm. Met Gene Lawrence, played uh, mm-hmm. Gene Lawrence. Met um, Robin Lee mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all just before the taxi thing. Yeah. You know, I was there with them. And after I left there... Mm-hmm. I was a founding member of Traffic, Caribbean Traffic Jam. So oh, you were? Yes. I, I did was, not know that. I was the first, <laughs> second keyboardist, because Andy is the leader, yeah, and the first yeah. keyboardist, uh, the first, second keyboardist yeah. of Traffic, or what is now known no, as Caribbean, Caribbean Traffic, Traffic Jam. Jam. Yeah, did not know that. Right. Mm. Um, played with them for two years, and then mm. got the gig to work with Charlie's Roots. Okay. When second Pel- keyboardist. When Pelham, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, Pelham was coming off the stage anyway. Okay. I had helped... Um, what happened is I started by helping Pelham set up his studio, Agra 9. Okay, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So I was the first guy to help st- set up the Agra 9 studio. Mm-hmm. And then from that, when Pelham said, well, you know, he wants to um, stay in the studio, mm-hmm. automatically, it was just was like, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ellis says, well, can fill any gap. we could get Ming to come and, you know. All so right. I started to do that. Mm-hmm. Being in Charlie's Roots mm-hmm. is what really push the thing forward because mm-hmm. now you're in Charlie's Roots you have the influencers you have David Rudder mm-hmm. and then you have all of the great musicians Albert Bush and especially mm-hmm. Tony Voise Tony Voise and best rhythm guitarist as far as I'm concerned ever come out to this island right we, we, we come to the band room we used to be in Christina Court mm-hmm. engine room used to be right engine next room, door yeah. mm-hmm. right and we sit down and we play what we're supposed to play mm-hmm. but when we've done that then we sit down and, and we start the jam, the jam. Some <laughs> kind of jazz thing, some mm-hmm. kind of Kaiso jazz thing, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And I listen to them guys and I play and I kind of mm-hmm. learn. Over the years, Tony Voza and I used to share a lot of information. Mm-hmm. So we were always back and forth about ideas, mm-hmm. this idea, that idea. So much so, every time we're on tour mm-hmm. and we're in between, we're on our breakfast, lunch, or we waiting mm-hmm. on a plane, whatever, we sit down talking. Mm-hmm. I remember one time David Rudder passes mm-hmm. and we, Tony and I talking, he passed flat five, sharp to things. Because we're always talking <laughs> yeah. some kind of long yeah. chord, some kind yeah, of yeah. thing oh. chord, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was that kind of thirst for knowledge mm-hmm. going on. And then in about 1995, well, I started doing some work with Mike Bootman, Kaiso Fusion. Because, okay. I mean, you could play more than one band at the same time, right? Yeah, that's more Yes. <laughs> and um, Michael was, if you will, the gateway to the big time, if you will. We played St. Lucia Jazz, main stage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tito Puente, mm. Al Jaro. You hear yeah. So it was Mike, <laughs> Tito Puente, Al Jaro, yeah. you know, mm. on the stage. And, and it, was, it was amazing. You know, mm. it was like, wow. Did you get you know, to George talk? Duke played uh. keyboards on that. Did you get to talk to any of the foreign musicians? Did, I don't we know, did. This? We did. Mm. In fact, the keyboard player mm-hmm. with Al Jaro mm-hmm. was really interesting. I stood on the side of the stage and mm-hmm. I watched this guy play all the parts mm-hmm. on um on um 
we're in this love together, including mm-hmm. the solo and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Junk pack, you know. And was that David Williams? Was a white guy? I don't. It was, was all white guys except yeah, yeah. the drum and the bass player normally. But you know, brothers, you know. But everybody else is normally be white in the band. But what was interesting is I was blown away by what mm-hmm. he was doing, and then later on when we spoke to him, he was saying, you know wasn't such a great evening because all the gear didn't reach and he had to substitute and mm. and we was like we would have never known if he didn't tell us because <laughs> yeah. it was spectacular mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so i think that experience with mike and playing with mike here mm-hmm. really set me on a path to say well you know what this is something i feel mm-hmm. i want to do and pursue was michael an influence the same way that the ruiz brother the ruiz family was an influence in a different way okay in a different way Mike had a sort of a a grooming stable for mm-hmm. young musicians. Okay. So, um, so he was a mentor. He was that. a mentor to, to a lot of guys. I mm-hmm. mean, there are a lot of guys who only see now playing mm-hmm. that pass through playing with Mike. With Michael, okay. you know. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people know Mike tunes mm-hmm. <laughs> inside <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. You know, heaven um, came out in seventy six or seventy seven or something. I think so. Right, but be, we we didn't all really them play in heaven too much. We played a lot of the other stuff, stuff that he didn't even, at the time he didn't mm-hmm. record yet. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. were playing, you know, a lot of those songs. All right. So again, I was playing with Michael. From Michael, I decided, you know what, I need to because I'm self-taught. Mm-hmm. I said I need to study this a little more. Mm-hmm. So about nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere around there. I applied to study at the Players School of Music mm-hmm. in Florida under Jeff Berlin. Jeff Berlin, okay. Right. The basis? Basis, yes. Mm-hmm. So I initially went up there for six months. Mm-hmm. And that was another eye-opening thing for me because mm-hmm. you went up there and you don't read music. Mm-hmm. And you, I've been, by this time, I've been playing about 10 years already. I've played mm-hmm. in professional bands. I've toured already. Yeah. You know, but because you don't have that foundation, mm-hmm. it becomes a little tricky. All of a sudden, you're back at one. <laughs> right. But it was an important venture for two reasons. One, it laid the foundation, musical foundation, for me to build and go forward. Up to mm-hmm. that point, I'd been self-taught. Everything was ears. Yeah. Everything was, I learned something from a guy, I apply it. Mm-hmm. You know? But when I went there, um, Matt Bakulik, who was the keyboard teacher, he laid out the foundation of the music. The, 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 the functional harmony mm-hmm. and diatonic theory and everything, you know. And instantly, all the books that I had been reading up to that point started to make sense. Because mm-hmm. before you're reading the books, and what does he mean? I, I have no, <laughs> yeah. you know. But so I like to tell people a lot of times that that's when music started for me. So once you had the theoretical... I, once I got that, found, that theoretical foundation, mm-hmm. then books made sense. And then okay. I could access... A lot of the information that was available. So there is some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Merit. Merit. That's the right <laughs> word in having a theoretical foundation as a musician and what, to have a once, music career. Once you have the basics, mm-hmm. everything else Flows. is open to right, you. Yeah. But you have to have some sort of foundation for understanding mm-hmm. what is to come next. Got you. You know, Makes sense. The other thing that happened significantly at the Players School of Music was... I'm I'm in a, an early um, ensemble class with Jeff Berlin yes. and the other guys. Uh-huh. And he says, well, we have Michael from the Caribbean. Um, Michael, introduce yourself and tell us what kind of music you play. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm actually the first 
keyboard player to come through the player school of music. Eh? The first. What one. did they have before? Just guitarists and basses? Well, mostly guitarists and basses, but I'm saying mm-hmm. it, it was newly opened okay. at that time. You Fair know enough. what I mean? So right. I was the first piano player, student. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, he says, Mike, tell them about where you come from mm-hmm. and... You know, what kind of music you play. Mm. So, of course, I'm proud. I say, well, you know, I'm from Trinidad Tobago. <laughs> and we play Calypso and Soca, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So then he says, well, tell us about it. Mm-hmm. And I was stumped. Mm. Because in Trinidad, we don't talk about music. We just we play, just play the music. Yeah, we just play it, yeah. So when he asked me to quantify the music, mm-hmm. I was stuck. Mm. So I always tell people, I went abroad mm-hmm. to discover Calypso. Wow. Because when I reach out there, I realize, but wait, I come out there to study jazz, but I don't, I can't talk about my own mm-hmm. thing. Mm. So, of course, that started me on a trend to research, to research Calypso music. and Soka music, which led to the publication mm-hmm. of my two books, which is Kaiso Concepts mm-hmm. and Calypso Guitar. There you go. And I have a couple others mm-hmm. in the works that just can't <laughs> come out. Extempo, uh, uh-huh. Santimanity, Extempo, mm-hmm. um, Quattro Book. I have a couple other things, but... But it led me to go back into our mm-hmm. music, music. Mm-hmm. and quantify it in the terms from an academic point of view. That's good. You know? And it's important. I and think it's important. Yes. Right. So what makes our music what it is mm-hmm. as opposed to... Uh, just a question here. Um, to me, they seem, they seem like pioneering books. I don't know. But you being a researcher, are there any other books like that on Calypso in terms of an academic theoretical understanding of what Calypso is and our rhythms? I'm not sure if from a musician point of view. What year was your books out? What year your books came out? 2006. 2006. Yeah. All right. Now, of course, we could step back a little bit because I know that in 2000, I was living abroad and the late Ralph Robinson said, hey, you have Ming record. Who is Ming? Ming, you just play keyboard with Charlie's Roots. No. But I, I had heard your version of Calypso music with... um. Roger George. Roger George on the vocal, who has a very similar voice to David's. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to all these chords and the harmonies, and I say, wow, boy, Pelham got it really up his game now. David, must he get a foreign producer? And I said, and it's recorded so well. And, and then when I heard the, the Roger's voice on pitch, I said, shit, boy, this is a, this is a real good record, boy. Charlie, Pella, David, come real good here. And they tell me, oh, it was a band called Elan Pali. I said, what? Who is this? Where they from? They're from Trinidad. He recorded it in Trinidad. I said, but this production value is something that I've only heard on, on American radio. Mm-hmm. At that time, smooth jazz was kind of in a little bit. It was yep. 2000. So they had this elements of this kind of really clean, high production value that was very slick, as it almost to a point. But they didn't play, obviously, our rhythms and certainly not songs that we know, like um, Calypso music. So hung down the record. And Raph is who gave me a copy of your first record. I played that thing to death. And I'll say this publicly, and I'll say it again to your face. Mm-hmm. I wrote a fan letter. Mm-hmm. I'd never done that. And I wrote from my from abroad. I said, brother, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard out of Trinidad. Because I thought, well, I liked Heaven and I'd liked um, Kaiso Jazz Concepts, the original Clive Zander record. And those are very good recordings. But I know that Michael's record, record was done in the States. But what I heard on Calypso Music was something that was I'd never heard before. Value, production value was out the charts. Tell me about the the foundation and getting into that first album. I think it was called Tribal Voices. Yes. Tribal, Tribal Voices. Voices. Tell me how you got into that. Right. So I'm going to take you from after I come back from the Players School of Music. Go ahead. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I come back mm-hmm. and I have this new energy. Yeah. You know, I have new ideas. I'm mm-hmm. seeing things differently. Mm-hmm. And I meet Wayne Kotoy. 
Yes. In a rehearsal for Solomon. Solomon, Solomon Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, Solomon Gabriel. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, just to show you how much I didn't know, I'd go to that rehearsal. Up to that point, I never heard about Santana. Because, of course, Solomon does play a kind of rock, reggae. You thing. never heard about Santana. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You lose so, your points for that. So we reach there and man saying, well, look, we need to play Black Magic Woman and we mm-hmm. need to play um, Samba Titi. And, mm-hmm. You know, that's where Wayne and I met. And okay. I was like blown away. With Wayne I've always been A harmonic keyboard player So mm-hmm. I always like Chords and all sorts of things But mm-hmm. when time For melodic lines Or solo anything mm-hmm. I was always a bit Timid It takes a little while To really get That under your fingers But Wayne You just mm-hmm. point to Wayne mm-hmm. And his just, guitar He just started to fly He mm-hmm. just started to play mm-hmm. Something will come out So Wayne and I Started to gig as a duo mm-hmm. That's from about um, 1998 mm-hmm. And then I Opened the studio mm-hmm. Around that time was a little room just like this mm-hmm. off of Marval Road. Okay. Right? And then Wayne left and he went out on a cruise ship. Okay. So meanwhile, while he was out on a cruise ship, I was always working on compositions, working on stuff. And then mm-hmm. when he came back in mm-hmm. December 1999 into 2000, I brought him in the studio and he played on it. Mm. So then we had these tunes. Mm-hmm. And you recorded it yourself? Yes, because you have, in, a, in a little room like this. Yeah. In uh, a little room like this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like a bedroom. <laughs> Effectively, you know? yeah. Well, that was, I, I, the production right. value was super high. And super um, high. we recorded it. Mm-hmm. And then after we recorded it, it was like, well, what do I do now? Okay, well, we got to put out a CD. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got to launch it. We got to mm-hmm. get a band together, you know? So I got my good friend, Neil Bernard, to come in and drum. Mm-hmm. We got Loris Adams Loris to come sense. in and play bass. Mm-hmm. I met Loris maybe about... Ten years before that, he had mm-hmm. a band called After Lunch that I used to go <laughs> to do a rehearsal with, <laughs> yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And we launched the band in October of 2000 mm-hmm. um, with the CD and came out and started to play. And the rest is history. That, that has, as I said, that album pointed me in a direction of understanding... And because it was in the 2000s, as I said, I was, I was in the States and I was hearing a lot of smooth jazz. But I was, and I was hearing Andy Norell. But I wasn't hearing our music. And this was a light that, boom. Admittedly, Raph Robertson, and he was based, um, it wasn't based in Canada, but that album he had been called Branches, which I believe was recorded in Canada with um, Eddie Bullen. That was another one of those kind of benchmarks. And it thing. was. It was exciting, in fact. Mm-hmm. We were on tour mm-hmm. with Charlie's Roots in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, staying at the Ryerson, I remember, mm-hmm. and I left and I went down to whatever the store, the big store was. I don't know, if it was Sam's, Sam Goody or Sam's, Sam's or whatever Sam's, it was. Yeah, Sam's. You know, mm-hmm. and I remember going through the rack mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, mm. Ralph Robinson music of Kitchener, and yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I buy it and I come mm. back to the Ryerson and sit down and I mm. play that, you yeah, know. Yeah. And you hear, you know, Ralph has been a big influence on me, and I tell people this even before. I knew Raph. I met Raph maybe in 1999, mm-hmm. right? He and Happy Williams mm-hmm. came to the studio um, on Marval Road, mm-hmm. wanted to um, record something for Happy. Happy, maybe they had a track or something and yeah. wanted a voice. I can't remember exactly what it was. And Raph sat down on the piano and he played mm. Kitchener. And when you hear Raph play Kitchener yeah, solo yeah. piano, you're like... Solo piano, yes. You get to really appreciate mm-hmm. the melodies mm-hmm. and, and you know that Kitchener spun and mm-hmm. and, and the, the whole structure, mm-hmm. you know. But I was inspired by Ralph even before that. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a story. Go ahead. I'm working with 
um, Joe Brown, and I think Robin Imam Shah was there that night too. Mm-hmm. Joe Brown comes from Coral Studios, Cage, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he comes, he say, you guys have to hear something we're working on. Mm-hmm. And he gives me the tape, I put in the tape. And set tape, you young people. Right. <laughs> and we hear mm. the, the, the music, the roughs mm-hmm. of what would be Raph's first record, mm-hmm. Just Easing. Just Easing. So, and mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. a light bulb goes off. Like, mm-hmm. that's our music. But, yes. But here, but here it's being played. Mm-hmm. You know? I heard that late, unfortunately. Right. After your record, I, when I first heard Right. It. Mm-hmm. I hear that before it released. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it was exciting because I already have that relationship with Reese Brothers mm-hmm. that tells me that we can do this. And then I hear Andy Narell, mm-hmm. and then I hear Raph. This Raph. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't met Raph. It takes me another 10 years mm-hmm. before I actually meet Raph. Mm-hmm. I'm meeting Raph through his music then. Yes. Prior to that. They used to have a wonderful um, video mm-hmm. on TV with Raph, um, Barry Howard. Was that Jazzans? People tell me it's the Jazzans, but I don't think it's the Jazzans. Was it a Central Bank show? I think I think it was a Queen's Hall show. Okay. But it could have been a Central Bank. Mm-hmm. But Raph is playing um Rhapsody in Blue. Mm. With a R, with a R D mm. three hundred, one of those Roland MKS type um mm-hmm. pianos. And I'm amazed when I watch Raf do mm-hmm. that, you know. He has a thing where he plays where the both hands go in different directions. I've seen them do that. Yes. And then come, come back, back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember watching it on the TV and like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. excitement, you know. So Raf has been, and then for him now to come back and, and, and you know, be a friend to me, mm-hmm. you know, from the 2000s, come up and always be encouraging and, mm-hmm. and you know. I, I was I, a great um, when thing. I met him in the, uh, When I met him in, in the States, of course, I'd heard... Branches. I heard the the, the song Bo, 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 Brigo. Mm-hmm. It was a theme song for a, a radio program on six ten radio. That was a kind of current affairs program. Finally got to meet him, and I just was just him. I just peppering his mind with all kind of questions, asking him, "Tell me what your story." Blah blah blah. And um, he clearly was ahead of his time in terms of utilizing local rhythms, certainly local songbooks. He was kitchen. He was a, certainly a master of kitcheners music, and as you say, the harmonic. Ham, the harmonic language was a lot of it was sophisticated, mm-hmm. and that was always impressive to me. And as I said, back in two thousand, you, you released Tribal Voices, and it seemed as though within that first, let's say, four or five years, you used to put out an album a year, right? What was I mean? What, what was the rush? Because we know that the music business and two thousand globally, that was the peak of the CD sales. And after two thousand, CD sales started to slowly right. but surely drop. But you were just putting out record after record. And well, thank you for that. Eh? But, well, the thing is this: you have the. I always tell people. A lot of people like to say, you know, the first record boy is always the best. You know, with any groups, but mm. the first record, you know. And a lot of times, is you don't realize that the first record mm. takes about ten years to make, mm. right? Calypso music. Mm-hmm. Um, I played that arrangement for David Rudder in about 1995. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah in, 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 in a car mm-hmm. outside the, in, in Christina Courts. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were like, well, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that he would jump on it, but <laughs> he didn't really give me any traction. So, <laughs> I was all going to so, say. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about it was already, it was ready, if you will, in 1995. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not till... Carnival um, Thursday, mm-hmm. two thousand. Mm-hmm. That Roger comes mm-hmm. and records that wow. one take. Well, one take? He did two takes, but mm-hmm. 
is the one take that we mm. took and I edit on the, on the end. CLYP one take, so. right? Because mm. when he came in January, Roger, mm. I say, Roger, mm. I have this tune. I want you to come and sing on it for me because Roger and I were mm. contemporaries in Charlie's Roots. Yes. So Roger needed to sing it. He say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I give him the track. I don't see him for the whole carnival season. Mm-hmm. Right? And then Carnival Thursday, he tells me he's flying out. You have to fly out. <laughs> yeah. So then he comes in the studio like late, leaves mm. his wife and them in the mm. car, comes oh, really? inside, wow. sings the track, flies <laughs> wow. down, and then digs <laughs> up. Nobody can't get out here. Can you hear a distant drum? Bouncing off the laughter of a melody. Yeah. And does the rhythm tell you, come, 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 come? Don't your spirit do a dance to the symphony? Yeah. Does it tell you that your heart is on fire? Oh yeah. Does it tell you that your pain is a liar? Oh yeah. Does it wash away all your unbelief? Oh yeah. Well, are you ready for this brand new discovery? Calypso. In and out, in and out. Master you know, so class. there was some magic about yeah, about the track, sick, you know. Sick. So by the time we put out the first one, mm-hmm. right? Like anything else, you record, if you will, fifteen or twenty tunes, mm-hmm. but you only put out ten. Mm-hmm. But now you have other tunes, you have tunes plus you have other yeah. ideas. Mm-hmm. And not only that, if people respond well, they say, "Well, look, mm-hmm. it's going well. Let's mm-hmm. do some more." So the second thing we did was that we did the Kindred Spirits. Yeah. No. Like a compilation of right. various well, artists. Well, we did it like that mm. because we thought it might be too soon for another thing. Another, yeah, so we wanted mm. to spin it in a different way. I had met Candice during during working on the Tribal Voices. She worked on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Voices, is my great friend. He worked yes. on it. Mm. Um, another FN Jam. Right. <laughs> I was working with Terry Shaw at the time. I was mm-hmm. doing work for Terry Shaw at the time. Mm-hmm. So Terry. Uh, was on the original Tribal Voices. Mm-hmm. And so when it came time to put together the Kindred Spirit, yes. I wrote some tunes and I brought Candice in to sing. Mm-hmm. Wrote some tunes and I brought Tony to play on it. Mm-hmm. I did some stuff. I brought uh, Wendell Manwarren in mm-hmm. to, to do some voicing. Brought Joel Bonaparte, who was in Charlie's Roots with me, the trumpeter, mm-hmm. to play some stuff on it. Brought Supercharger to play on it too. Um, uh, Hayden Robin, mm-hmm. also from Charlie's Roots. You know, and of course Terrence Shaw, mm-hmm. two tunes which would eventually end up on Terrence Shaw's first Terrence album, album yeah. which I produced, and second album which I produced, mm-hmm. and third one which I co-produced, and because that's the other element. Right. Uh, in, uh, in addition to being a, a prolific re- um, recording artist, you also were a producer, and that's this is why I came with this this moniker of architect. Because in addition to all the records that you've produced, you've co-produced to me. If I remember Candice Alcantara, Candice, Terry, Terry Shaw, from Mavis Charles, John, Mavis John, Clifford Charles, mm-hmm. you know, and, the, the, and there was the Trinity Jazz records. Project. Well, the Trinity Jazz Project, we'll get to that mm-hmm. soon, but because that to me is like, almost like a parallel to the, the Kindred Spirits, Kindred Spirits yes. right? Because you, you have a bunch of artists and mm-hmm. they give them their prominence as it was, Correct. right? But you were writing original music, and I yes. think this was important. And and something I I know, and you have a little bit of frustration. I'm playing the business in your road. I'm gonna edit this out. <laughs> 
I know that you've been you can be kind of wary of the local industry mm-hmm. because you were putting out putting out a lot of music and slowly but surely the uptake was not matching certainly I'm assuming what you wanted in terms of your output, right? Right. So that you I know that you have your you're kind of frustrated at the industry, mm-hmm. right? And probably possibly the local industry, whether it's the copyright agencies or just audiences like promoters, whatever the deal is. It, it was important that you did put out about it was about six songs, original compositions. Within over, the first six or seven years, we mm-hmm. had a lot, yeah. a lot. So maybe about six, sixty, maybe about sixty yeah. tunes. That is original tunes. Original tunes. Now, Calypso artists don't do that, <laughs> right? So, and they are our most prolific recording artists. So, there's something to be said about that. Now, admittedly, a lot of that may have been instrumental music, which mm-hmm. is audiences want that song right. for, for whatever reason they like that, right? But um, I want to understand your thinking. Certainly, in terms of you had this a lot of music, as you said, when you finish a record, you have some leftovers and new ideas, and you kept putting out records. Mm-hmm. And there was a kind of transition period for you, right? Just take me through your emotional process now, in terms of like probably 2010 or forward, or probably 2007 forward, because I know within that period also, there was a tragedy within. Right. So, so let, let, let me let, let me go back. Yeah, let me so go let's, back a let's do bit. that kind of history. Mm. So we we released tribal voices. We released kindred spirits. Yes. Things are going well. Mm-hmm. The, the the airwaves have been opened up in Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. We have two primary jazz stations. Yes. That is playing the music. I'm mm-hmm. getting royalties. Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. Then we have maybe two secondary stations. One mm-hmm. Android, and, mm-hmm. and and maybe another one mm-hmm. that's playing. Some of the music, you know, some of the guys are using it as theme songs. Gael mm-hmm. is using the music mm-hmm. on the air, mm-hmm. you know. So the music is all around. It's playing in the airlines. It's mm-hmm. playing on the radio. You know, we get in gigs. We're going up the islands. We're playing St. Vincent. We're playing um, uh, so you're Grenada. Also touring yes. on your original Ye- music. Yes. That's so we're we playing. We're playing Grenada. Up. We're playing St. Mm-hmm. Kitts. We, so we out there and we're playing. And then Wayne gets sick, mm-hmm. right? Diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. So... Wayne Katoy. Wayne Katoy. Mm-hmm. So Wayne, as I told you earlier, mm-hmm. was like the go-to man. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, 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 I'm the guy behind the curtain. I'm the wizard, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But Wayne is the guy in front. Yes. I just tell Wayne to play, and Wayne play all those nice lines and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't need to, mm-hmm. right? And the sound of the band is keys, bass, mm-hmm. guitar, drums. Yes, yes. But then Wayne dies. So now the sound of the band changes. It changes, yes. Right? We bring in um, David Bertrand. Mm-hmm. David flute, Bertrand saxophone. plays flute. Well, he mm-hmm. doesn't play sax. He plays flute. flute. Okay. Exclusively flute. Mm-hmm. You know? So that causes a shift in terms of how we sung mm-hmm. and then the kind of music that we now start to, mm-hmm. to embrace. So like I say, that first section, we released more stuff. The, the Caribbean Renaissance, mm-hmm. the songs for Wayne, which was actually... Uh, Solo kind of record that we were working on mm-hmm. for Wayne, yes. but he never got to record on it. Oh, he did so we still put it out. So th- mm-hmm. that's why it's called Songs for Wayne because mm-hmm. it was a more smooth jazz kind of thing mm-hmm. that we were trying to do mm-hmm. with him. That I was trying to do with him. Um, Five Ming Toy Project, right? So the Ming Toy Project again was ch- were tunes that we were playing maybe three years before. Mm-hmm. I remember. Ming Toy Project might have been two thousand and five, mm-hmm. and we were playing that stuff. In Grenada, we mm-hmm. opened for Andy Narell in Grenada, Spice Jazz. There you go. You know? <laughs> Full circle. It, it was exciting, man. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about Mark Walker on drums. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Eskenazi on piano, yeah. Oscar Stagnaro. Oh, These are yes. guys that, mm. you know, we've seen on, mm-hmm. uh, uh, on, on the, the TVs and the magazines yeah, yeah. and mm. all of a sudden, we there, you know. In fact, Eskenazi plays my keyboard because he don't like the one, he didn't <laughs> like the one that was sticking. Yeah, he comes yeah, and yeah. says, can I play? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe I'll get something rub off on me. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave some juice there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that was great. And then, um, so the sound changes a little bit. We changed one or two personnel. We do um, rejuvenation. I love your names, eh? Just yeah. size another story by itself. The rejuvenation. Yeah, we mm. do rejuvenation. Um, it's not as popular, but some really nice work. And we get some of the flute sound. We get a lot of the flute sound mm-hmm. on things like um, Dart Jada. That kind of Latin thing. It, it has a little more Latinish influence. Were you thinking though when you were putting out these albums with with David on flute about a foreign market, or were you only concentrating on the local market? I have never thought about a foreign market, pussy. I I always tell people I make music for us. Mm-hmm. If people outside of here like it, mm-hmm. then that's well and good. But really and truly, it's, it's, all about it's us. music for us. Okay. Have, right. have any has anybody out there? You say you worked up the island, but mm-hmm. has any label person ever said, "I like what I hear here"? I had a, a, a label from Denmark or something mm. approach me about using the music as backgrounds in documentary or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard from them. I sent some material for them. They sent back, and then after that, I didn't hear anything Nothing. from them. You know? Unfortunate, their loss. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm. So, remember, they had that big bubble crash or whatever in the United States somewhere around 2008. Yeah. By that time, um, things started to be affected in Trinidad here. Between 2008 and maybe 2010, mm-hmm. um, the radio stations started to close down. Yeah. They were changing, you know, yeah. especially the, we had to move to talk radio. Mm-hmm. So, less music was being played. More and talk. if they play your music, it's just going to be that two minutes just before news. Mm-hmm. They put a little instrumental in, mm-hmm. you know. So, then... The revenues started to go down. Of mm-hmm. course, we had the streaming situation mm-hmm. um, coming big with us here in Trinidad and Tobago. Now, the Napster thing mm-hmm. had gone into a YouTube, into a sharing, mm-hmm. into a, what is it called, a torrent, torrent something, business. Yeah. You had you piracy know. effect when you had your CDs out? No. You okay. never had uh, piracy issues. <laughs> I guess it was that popular. <laughs> <laughs> People downtown not <laughs> They're not sophisticated in, 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 in that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so that's why we recorded... David left in, let's say, 2008. Mm-hmm. So we recorded, we were playing the music that would eventually be Jazzalypso mm-hmm. from about 2007. Mm-hmm. And we recorded that, I think, in either 2000, late 2008 or I 2009. A, I think it was a 2009 album, Jazzalypso. Right. Mm-hmm. But the state of the place was so weird. We had, we had a... a, a, a a state of emergency yes, and all sorts of, of things that yeah. affected musicians, couldn't come out in the night yes. and play, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. And so 
I didn't release that until 2011, and only because... So it, it was it, recorded in 2009? Yes. 2008 or 2009. Wow. But like I said, the, the, the climate mm-hmm. was really bad mm-hmm. for about those four years, you know. Yeah, so where it didn't make sense commercially otherwise to put it, anything. It, it just, it was, mm-hmm. it was frustrating, you know. Yeah, yeah. We weren't, we're now not getting royalties because mm-hmm. the radio stations had closed down. They weren't playing the music mm-hmm. anymore. Talk radio had come in. Mm-hmm. We had the, the, the housing bubble or whatever, stock bubble, whatever, in the United mm-hmm. States. That was affecting us here. Yeah. We had some sort of state of emergency, limited movement, all sorts of things, you know. And CL financial collapse. Right, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. right, mm-hmm. exactly, mm-hmm. you know. So it kind of put me... In a sort of a funk, you know, mm. creative people tend to flirt with depression a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. You're up today and you're bright and then tomorrow yeah, you, you stay in your room and you don't let anybody see you for months. That. Yeah, yeah. Right. It happens, yeah. So the podcasters too, but that's right. another story. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had I had a kinda dark kind of period like that and when I kinda emerged somewhere around twenty eleven, I say, you know what? It's it's not perfect. It mm-hmm. it, it it was the first album that we recorded. I want to say 99% live. I added some vocals mm-hmm. on one track later down. Yes. But other than that, the whole album was recorded with uh, as a trio mm-hmm. with Sean, Richard, Sean Friday, Richard, Richard Joseph, Joseph, and, and myself. myself. Mm-hmm. We just hit the button, and we played play. down, and we cut mm-hmm. it down. So it's not perfect, but the compositions, I love the compositions mm-hmm. on it. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to put it out. We put it out free at first. And then people were interested. Yeah, we put it out free for people to download. And then people started like, well, we like it. What yeah, we could yeah, get you, copies. Mm. And then we ended up printing CDs mm. for people who wanted it afterwards. That album, I think, included a track. Now, I, 2009, for those who know or don't know, I'm part of a team that produces jazz artists on the greens. And I think it was 2009 in Tobago, Elan Parley performed. And David Bertrand, I believe, was there. Yes, Playing he his, was. His EW electric yeah, wind EWE, instrument, yes. EWE. But you had a piece of music that you had written called Kaiso Love. Correct. And on that, to me, as I said, is the most beautiful melody I've ever, ever, ever heard. Award every now and then, and you don't play it enough as far as I'm concerned, right? <laughs> but the reason I'm bringing up this point, uh, I kind of gonna fast forward a little bit before you get back on track. You had you did a concert at Queen's Hall some years ago, probably about 2013, when 2013. you were launching your, your Kaiso, where um, your I am a land parlor record, correct? And you did a lyric mm-hmm. to it, and you call out my name, right? right. I remember that, right? <laughs> but I always remember you write a lot of instrumentals, but I think you're you, you have this knack with words. You know how to create titles and use puns and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
why aren't you writing songs? Because what I heard then was brilliant. And it was only, only like song of us or something. Well, so. first of all, I have a book of songs. I have maybe 100, 120 songs. Sit down you, you in use a prints book, out. You have a, tunes, you have you a what? <laughs> because I, when I started in the 80s playing, uh-huh. one of the things I used to do was write tunes. I had mm-hmm. one of those, um, I had access to one of those Casio keyboards. It was a mm-hmm. mini key keyboard, but mm-hmm. it had two cassette decks on it. So it had that. the rhythms and so. So you could play mm-hmm. with your rhythm and stuff onto one cassette. Mm-hmm. And then you could sing, mm-hmm. one cassette playing, sing and record on the next cassette, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that was the makeshift studio, you know. Mm-hmm. I bought a little um, TR-606 uh, or 303 um, drum machine from Simon's Music. He was working mm-hmm. at Sagom's at the time. Mm-hmm. I bought my first Spider-Man um, Z-Bass. Mm. From 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 Simon at mm-hmm. Sargomes mm-hmm. on Tragerite Road. Yes, I you did. know. Mm-hmm. And we came home and me with friends. We used to compose and we used to perform. Mm-hmm. You know, with the little drum machine and the little <laughs> thing and the little keyboard. Yeah, that's what we used to do before I started to play professionally. Mm. And we used to write tunes. Mm-hmm. Every heartbreak, every yeah, girlfriend yeah, 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 that yeah, leave yeah. you, you write a song. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know. So I have written a lot of them. Some have have come out so for instance the two tunes that candace sings on on her album. on her or not on her album on kindred spirits, spirits. Uh-huh. those are my tunes okay i wrote those tunes right miss you more than ever ain't nothing matters since you've gone so So I have a whole new tunes. My issue is that while I do sing, I don't consider myself a singer. And I'll give you a story. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was, uh, some people ask, well, how you get into instrumental music, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell you about Demo Keith, I tell you about Cleaderman mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and so. But when I was young, I wasn't a great student. Mm-hmm. My brothers and si- my brother and two sisters, they used to come first, second, and third. Mm-hmm. I used to come 31st, 32nd, and 33rd <laughs> in class. Classes used to have like 35 children, yeah, 34 yeah, children. Yeah, 30 something right. years, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's where I used to place in the mm-hmm. end because mm-hmm. I was downright. Don't say that now. Don't say that. No, though. I'm just saying. That's an academic thing. Do you have so, dyslexia? So, no, I don't know. All right. So, we'll anyhow, <laughs> in my early years, mm-hmm. my parents keep moving me mm-hmm. to different schools. I remember I went one time. By Rosary Boys. Mm. I was by Rosary. Yeah. And then I went one time by Newtown Boys. Mm. And then I went one time by a lady called Miss Going. She had mm. a private school right mm. there by Stone Street, somewhere around there. All right. You know. And for Standard 4 and Standard 5, I ended up in Holy Name Prep School. Okay. You know. My sisters were there. And mm. I guess they say, well, you ain't so bright, but we all lie in because yeah, you yeah. have two siblings here yeah, already, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Nice. So I go in and I decide, I'm not playing any music yet, but I decide, hey, they have choir. I'm going to go to the choir. Mm-hmm. Choir is run by a lady called Juliet Eckel. Yes. Was very big at the Opera time. Opera singer. Right. Yeah. Nice. Mm. So I go to audition for mm-hmm. the choir. Mm-hmm. So I go. I'm new to the school, of course. I mm-hmm. go. Everybody's in the, the music room. She says, hey, you want to audition? Come. Mm-hmm. And she plays a tone on the piano and asks me to reproduce it. She plays another tone on the piano and asks me to reproduce it. I think I'm reproducing it. Mm-hmm. And then she says... 
Oh, like you have a cold or something. Maybe you should come back another time and thing. And so I have carried that with me oh. in my head. As blame Juliet Echo. Well, I don't want to blame Juliet <laughs> Echo. <laughs> when I think about it, I think that she was very kind mm-hmm. in, you know, to say, well, she didn't say, oh, well, your song bad. Mm. Don't come back here. She's just sort of lightly, politely kind of excused You're a child. It. You're a right. child. <laughs> but I'm saying that that affected mm-hmm. me mm. from a singing point of view. So okay. if you don't sing, what are you mm-hmm. going to do? Play music. Right. You're going to play. Mm. So now I spent a decade before playing mm. behind people mm. right but when you launch elan pali the point was to move from a jockey shorts to our pants yes because a jockey shorts is mm. underwear mm-hmm. and as a backing musician with david or with mm-hmm. michael or with anybody mm-hmm. you'll always be a jockey shorts mm-hmm. but if you want to be a pants then mm-hmm. you've got to strike out on your own and put yourself out there in in, the, in, in you know slings and arrows are all the thing take everything you know right? so um, but I have songs. So you have a hundred songs plus. I have a hundred songs plus. Why not, do, but as all, a songwriter, not, why don't you pitch it to not singers? All are great. I from 2011, mm-hmm. I auditioned various singers mm-hmm. for various songs. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is not only about the singer, mm-hmm. but about the vibration that you have. That's important. With, yes, with people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't get. You weren't feeling it? I didn't get the singer that I wanted to. And then you have an issue where a lot of the singers, mm-hmm. the, the really capable singers, mm-hmm. happen to be in church. And then some of the songs I write mm-hmm. may not be... Yes, gotcha. Yeah, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So philosophically a, different from right, where they are. Nice. Yes. So <laughs> I don't want to put people in a situation where they're mm-hmm. uncomfortable mm-hmm. rendering or don't want to be associated with a particular tune because mm-hmm. it may you. not be... You know, so we I've have had those issues. I, I, well, I guess this could be a topic for another conversation. But I, I, you and I both are aware. Some of the best musicians and singers do come out to the church, and they have this kind of stigma where they can't sing particular songs, as you mm-hmm. as you described here, and they try to justify it because somebody says so. I, well, that's a that's a whole other argument. But um, I think we've been trapped in this kind of dogma that doesn't help us. Certainly, doesn't help our industry when people tell everybody they can't sing a song because well, a man tell them to sing it, or it will mm-hmm. affect them kind of stuff. Be that as it may, though, um, after the Jazz Ellipso album, I think there was a gap of some years. You did say there was a dark period for you at, at one point, but you were coming out of that period, and I think 2013? 2013. You released, to me, well, there was an evolution, as I said. I've been tracking your career for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I did, see, I did see the transition from Kotoi to the, the flute, the Bertrand era, mm-hmm. and certainly with the trio piece of music that you did with the Jazz Ellipso. But when you released I Am Elan Pali, I thought that you had stepped up and above and you'd really moved to another level in terms of your influences because now you're not, you're listening to more than just simply music from Trinidad or the Caribbean. You're actually getting into Balkan rhythms and all these kind of mm-hmm. major influences that don't necessarily exist and, and stick here. Tell me about the genesis of that album and how that came to be and what was the plan for that. Well, again, even when I'm in my dark periods, mm-hmm. you know, music is always come in and it's always calling and you're always mm-hmm. doing something mm-hmm. you know and it's when you decide to embrace it and put it out it's when you have to really step up so mm-hmm. I, I worked on the tunes i had the songs i had the stuff i was playing with a lot of the players at the time 
you know, in different, remember, not only with my band, but I also play with Terry Shaw mm. sometimes. I play with Vonnet Bigford sometimes. Mm. I, mm. you know, I guess with other guys at yes. that time, Guy will be G Day. Yes. Did yeah. some, some playing with them and so. I do pay on a loop. Right. Mm. So a lot of those guys uh, end up featuring mm. on, on the record as well in some capacities mm-hmm. because I was working with them. And of course, that kind of formed the genesis again for the. Trini Jazz, uh, Trini Project. Jazz Project to yes. come the following year, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, it, it it was again the really dark period was between let's say like two thousand and seven to two thousand and eleven, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I I spent some money and I, I had made and I, I bought a truck. I said, you know mm-hmm. what, I go and do transport. Yes, I you know. You're this, gonna forget Calypso and Plan right, Tobago. Right, Tobago. <laughs> I understand that all the yeah, time, yeah, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So. It was a kind of thing like that. That never happened. I ended up mm. crashing a truck. And, mm. But so from 2011, with the response to Jazz Alip, so when I think, when I thought there wouldn't be any, yeah. people embraced it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'll work on the I Am Elan Pali. Mm-hmm. Part of the thing for the I Am Elan Pali was we, up to that time, we had changes in personnel. Yes. Right? I think it was 2011. Maybe 2011 or 12, we got Rodney Alexander in. Mm-hmm. He had a baptism by fire. We had to play a jazz festival up in the British Virgin Islands. Yes. And he came in like a week before. Mm-hmm. Where, was, where was he before? I know he's from Point of Deep South. But he, he was playing with Alison Hines. And before oh. that, he was playing with Invasion Band. I had never heard of that. Naya of, George. Yeah, all of a sudden, boom, he just arrived. And, and then genius? I met him. Mm. We played at Jazz Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Friday was still the bass player, and mm. he played with Terran Shaw. Okay, so I I I, I met him. Well, mm. not met met. He was on the same gig Terry played, and yes. we played. Mm. You know, and then when Sean couldn't make it, I Rodney got the number for Rodney, and Rodney brought in stepped the band. in. You know, mm. so the personnel was changing, and so, but I kind of needed to. I'd always liked the idea of uh, a band front. Mm-hmm. You know, so Spiral Gyra. Yellow jackets. Mm-hmm. I was never about promoting me pussy. Yes. A guy always said, one guy told me at a time, he said, if you want your band to last long, mm-hmm. you have to name it after yourself. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, a- any of the, the, the long bands, you know, they, mm-hmm. they have the leader name and yes. the somethings. Um, ripping Tons. Is <laughs> that free, free man? Free man and the Ripping Tons, right. Yeah. You put your name in on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it actually, the early um, iteration of the band was patterned after Ripping Tons. Uh, model, but that's oh, really? another story. Oh, okay. So I was it was a sort of a thing where I saying, look, mm. no matter who else you see on the stage, mm. once you see me, Elan Pale is in the house because exactly. I am Elan Pale. I had I had I had likened you to Bluey Monik from Incognito. Right. He was he had about a million people in his band, but the concert was him, and he mm-hmm. was. I remember even telling Carl Doyle with Blue Culture. I said, Carl, you're Blue Culture. You could have whoever it is, but you are the person. And I remember thinking about that. So right. Like, so, again, Russ Freeman, same mm-hmm. thing. A lot of guys play in his band over the years, but Ripping mm-hmm. Dance is essentially Russ Freeman. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Bluesy and Incognito. Mm-hmm. You know? So, the concept was to try to, again, maybe put myself in the foreground of my own unit that I was kind of keeping mm. backwards to. The wizard I, behind the curtain. <laughs> right. At this point, I guess by this time, I'm a lot more confident in terms of my ability to play. I've been working on stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just time. So, so tell me about um. So then the, after the that, album. I had mm-hmm. some of those. I, I, again, 
had a lot of things like Port of Spain mm-hmm. and Istanbul, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Port of Spain rift on um, Chicoria, Spain. Right. So, again, like anything else, tunes mm-hmm. come differently all the time. You say, you know what? Chicoria writes Spain. Maybe mm-hmm. I could write Port, Port of Spain, Spain. <laughs> you know. So, take the little piece of the Chicoria, like for mm-hmm. the opening, mm-hmm. to let people get the reference. Mm-hmm. And then this the, the A section of the song is a sort of a distant throw to Armando's rumba by okay. Chikorea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And then the entire B section mm. is like a Ray Hallman. Mm. Ray likes to use a lot of those movements, you know. Yeah. So that whole B section is a Ray Hallman movement and then mm. come back, you know. So it's a sort of bridge between Ray Hallman and, and Chikorea, and Chikorea yeah. you know. Istanbul is East, well, Istanbul is East Anbul? East or Istanbul. Istanbul. East Istanbul, but yeah, yeah, to, right. to Istanbul to, with yeah. the kind of Turkish gotcha. seven four rhythms and so. That is an interesting because, as I said, you had this that rhythm, a seven four rhythm, which was mm-hmm. kind of uncommon, certainly in Trinidad and thing. And you were so I'm thinking that you are now finding new influences. Of, the influence may, you may have seen or heard of these influences before, but what said? Okay, I'll go put it in the music now. Because I mean, you 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 kept quote unquote kept it safe by playing us. Well, okay, I'll tell you again. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I am playing Kaiso. I play Kaiso all the time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. I play in Kaiso, okay. right? Mm-hmm. So the melody. All that Kaiso. Yeah. Right. But here's what happened. Sometimes you're writing a song and you think that the song is yours. Mm-hmm. But subconsciously, mm-hmm. you've heard that song somewhere yeah. else. The thing is, the opening melody of the, of the song, the opening line, mm-hmm. sounds eerily familiar, um, similar to a Ray Hallman tune. Um, Basudi, and mm. it's Basudi, open of Basudi. So it's like, oh my goodness. But I like it so much. So now, instead of playing it on the tonic minor, mm-hmm. I play it on a pedal with a five. And that changes the sound of it. Mm-hmm. And then when I get that pulse going, then I start to hear it. Like, you know, mm. at that time, um, I had bought a DVD with a guy playing a lot of the uh, what do you call this boy? The, 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 the Middle Eastern um, t- drum Dabu Rak or whatever it's called Dabu Dabu one of those yeah. handheld gymbies yes. <laughs> with the metal casing yeah, yeah. I bought one a from Turkish si- drum right I bought one from Simon <laughs> and I bought a, a, a video showing you how to play it mm-hmm. and a lot of the rhythms seem to sound like mm-hmm. the rhythms that we use here Okay. You know? So, a kind of cross between mm. African and Indian rhythms, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. So, that played a part in how the sound. I started to hear the sound, mm-hmm. you know? And then, 
it just went from there. Mm-hmm. But it's all Kaiso melody at mm-hmm. the end of the day. And then we do the kind of seven four Turkish thing at the mm-hmm. end mm-hmm. to sort of bring it home for the improv. In terms of the name, well, yeah, well, your master Istanbul. Istanbul. And then the time we used to yeah. do that, where well, you're going to Istanbul. Istanbul yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. it was good to just uh, make the pun on the two things. Gotcha. In terms, as I said, um, we're kind of going to wrap up. This is not too mm-hmm. long from now. But what I, as I said, that album to me said that you had arrived at a point where now you had, I wouldn't say use up all your local influences, but now you're, I would say, mentally and sonically traveling, right? Okay. It's a kind of concept that I had discovered. It had happened to our writers. Naipaul's first books were set in Trinidad, and then he started to travel, mm-hmm. right? Etienne, with his records, um, mm-hmm. Folklore and Kaiso, and then he started to travel when he Creole went, Soul, Creole Soul and, 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 mm-hmm. and San Jose Suite, and then. So, in a sense, it probably took you 20 years to travel, but at the same time, it told you, it told me that you had 20 years worth of work that's because we, we hadn't mined, mined our music enough. Right. You had done all the mining. And I guess, I wouldn't say you've used it all up, but certainly now you're thinking to travel and thing. Um, what does the future hold for Elan Parley? Plans in terms of recording, traveling? Okay, well, since that... Label and distribution. Since that, we did, mm-hmm. again, the parallel to the Kindred Spirits. We did the, yes, Trini the, Jazz the, project. the Trini Jazz Project. Mm-hmm. Then I was um, pleased to produce um, Vonet Bigfoot's um, album. 2017, possibly the biggest album that year. Right. Mm-hmm. And... Since then, I have we've done a, a number of um, covers of the recent um, Sokas. So this year we did the Year for Love and Hello, mm-hmm. and just released on social media. Not not formally. Not formally. Are you planning to? Please, <laughs> the songs don't last well neither that do, long. Neither do pop songs. But I think what happens, and this is not me assuming, giving a sermon. I think we need to put into the commercial public domain mm-hmm. product, right? And certain product for our genre. Because I saw artists about a song and then I, I yell mm-hmm. it about our next song. And if the song is a minor hit, you don't care about it. But because you create this sophisticated, harmonic, different version of it, mm-hmm. that music has legs, in my estimation. So that or it may be a pop song, so that Wes Montgomery playing a pop song of is course. still a classic now. And of I'm course. suggesting to you, and to anybody listening to my voice, that the versions of the music that you all play, whether it is our local pop songs, mm-hmm. create them. Because down the road, they will still have relevance because you actually take those harmonic charm adventures. Well, let me tell you this. Mm-hmm. I have a small archive mm-hmm. of all said popular tunes that we've done over the years. We've done Advantage by Marshall mm-hmm. Montano. Mm-hmm. We've done... Um, uh, I feel like I just win a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, From one case, we play that in, in, in Tobago jazz. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done um, Iwa George mm-hmm. in, in a South African kind of vibration. Um, what was that that song? Um, <laughs> All of them songs. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. is, over the years, I've mm-hmm. done a number of them. We've never put them out, but mm-hmm. we've recorded a number of them, and mm-hmm. I have them there. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll do so. I hope. I hope. Um, the, I hope the suggestion get who, who right. Through. Prior mm-hmm. to that. Um, well, after that, I have I still have um, an album. We have about three, maybe four now, uh, incompleted album of work. Maybe 70, 80% complete. We still have the Ralph Robertson yes, um, tribute, tribute mm-hmm. that's maybe 80% done. Um, I still have a new Elan Parley record. Mm-hmm. I have a sort of a Trini Smooth album that I've been working on by mm-hmm. Ete uh, mm-hmm. Williams that played on it years ago. Mm-hmm. The tracks were corrupted and lost, but I still have 
um, the basic things mm-hmm. for that. I really want to do a vocal album, um, but getting the right singer mm. or depending that who knows <laughs> I, uh, so by pro- 2020 i might decide to sing <laughs> yeah. so projects are still in train so elan parley is not going away it's going to be around for as well, long as you are there yes well not mm. right not right now the thing is the the industry the the the, the, the landscape right now is really funny um mm. the download thing there's no money in it how do mm. you spend money put out a project and then there's no return at all at least before mm. You know, they you got print something. some CDs, you mm. can sell it and then sell some jerseys with it, mm. get a couple of gigs, you know. But now you don't even have that, mm. you know. Have you have you explored the alternatives in terms of working whatever foreign connections you have or whatever advantages that you have to get into foreign markets, whether it's in Europe or in the North America, that making those connections because I, we all know that the music industry is about relationships. Mm-hmm. So as much as you're brilliantly talented... That could only matter so much. If you know somebody who connected, that might matter more. Of course. Have you been working those connections? Of course. No, I have not. Part of the issue has always been the, the unit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, um, in the early days, we had guys who had day jobs. I mean, i a full-time musician, mm-hmm. but the other guys have day jobs. They yeah. have families. Yes. So at one point, I thought about, you know what? Let's land in, in, in England, Mm-hmm. You know, let's take a three months, let's land in England, let's buy a bus mm-hmm. and let's play pubs. Let's go mm-hmm. Germany, Belgium, France, whatever. Just go and play. Now, I'm not landing as me. I'm landing as a group. If you land as you and you have to look for guys to think, that's difficult. It's work. But if you land mm-hmm. as a coherent group that's playing, mm-hmm. you have a better chance. Of course, we have that issue now, well, who have a government work, who have thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. who have wife and children, yeah. who could leave, who can't leave. I have always said I could leave any time. Mm. Yes, son? You do because have that music called mm-hmm. me, I leave any time. Mm-hmm. But the guys didn't have that, that, that leisure. That so that sort mm-hmm. of tied me mm-hmm. in this position. So in, in the ensuing years, let's say maybe from uh, 2012 onward, mm-hmm. I've been working on my craft to the point where hopefully... I can make an assault like that myself. I mm-hmm. went to the UTT. Mm-hmm. I sat with, with with the professors there, worked on my craft, a little mm-hmm. bit worked on my technique mm-hmm. to try to make myself more overall self-sufficient so yes. that anywhere I go, I can still represent Elan Pali if it's own, even if it's only me. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know? Um, well, as I said, we I wouldn't give up on working with foreign musicians, but I know... You said something earlier in terms of you have to have that vibe, and I guess vibes are difficult to come by unless you're with those kind of persons and things. Four albums, hopefully in the future, a lot of new music, and a whole archive of songs, and a whole archive of of books, books, Books. everything. You're a font of information, and as I said, I think one of the more important persons in the local jazz industry, and I'll say this now publicly, 2010, I believe it was, you were in your dark period, mm-hmm. and you were selling some stuff. And I remember we, we sat down and talked for about two hours, and all I kept saying was, if you leave the industry, there'd be a big hole. And I remember having to convince my partners and jazz artists in the Greens, we need to hire Ming to be the musical director of the band. Yeah, that was sent it in right in the gallery home by yeah, me. I remember you saying There was so. a suggestion that we could get somebody cheaper. I said, no, we can't get somebody cheaper, but you need to get somebody who's better. And you came forward that year and you played, you backed up. It was Wrong Man. Wrong Man, Ricardo Stavon, mm-hmm, Brenda, Butler. Brenda Butler. I remember that. And I ain't going to take credit for this, but the bottom line was I remember seeing a change in you. And I just thought to myself, 
opportunities are important for musicians without I, a doubt and i recognize that musicians unlike a man who's a scientist could go through periods of up and down right and it's up important for us as persons in the industry to support 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 michael thank you very much for this conversation um i know we could talk for another hour but that's it for this episode of <laughs> Jazz Chat, all right? And uh, thank you once again for being here. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Nigel. Right. Okay, cool. Island Jazz Chat has been a production of Jazz in the Islands magazine, powered by iRadio.tt.